Hey, everybody. Um, today, it's my honor to introduce Pastor Sam Koh. Um, this person is somebody who really believes in living out the gospel in day-to-day -day life, in, in every hour, in every second. And he is just such a special teacher uh, to us while we kind of go with him to some of his homeless ministries, listening to some of his stories about uh, combating gang violence and people who are incarcerated coming back to the Lord, people who are really lost in this world. And Pastor Sam is living it real life. And we just really believe that he has this amazing message for us. Um, and just a reminder to, for everyone here, that we are going through a pastor series. So we're gonna have a rotation of pastors that are coming and we're gonna go from like Book of Acts and going step by step with each of these pastors coming in um, as we are searching for a pastor at the moment for, for someone who can really guide and shepherd us. Um, but today we have Pastor Sam Coe and, um, and I'm here also to give you guys the scripture reading for today. And it comes from Acts 3, 1 through 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as, as did John, then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he walked with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And that's the word of, uh, this, this is the word of the Lord. hear me now? Yes. Good to see all of you guys. Um, the reason why I'm here, uh, I just want to really um, reveal my heart, why I'm here. It's because I love you. And I love the church. There's no other reason why I'm here. It's because of love. You know, um, you guys are going through a pastoral search. I know um, if you look in the Korean church and you look at, you know, the history of the Korean church, what's going on right now is many uh, Korean churches are actually shutting their doors. Um, there was, in the 80s, there was a heyday of Korean immigration, and recently there has been less and less uh, Korean immigrants coming on in. And so uh, some churches, they've been closing because, and, and I want to give you guys one of the reasons, it's because um, they
they didn't really do a great job or the next generation couldn't take on the legacy. You guys are nodding your head. For whatever reasons, because of our cultural differences or our language barriers or whatever happened, many of the second generation left the Korean church. And you know, uh, hey, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of great options. We speak English, and there's a lot of great churches. Can I hear an amen, right? I mean, that's the reality. That's the reality, right? Uh, there's preachers, way better preachers than I am, and there's a lot of Caucasian churches that could accommodate to our needs. But you know what? It doesn't matter, because what matters is the Lord will establish the local church. And if he wants to sustain this church... Even if you don't have a pastor right now, I'm going to tell you right now, all our lives you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. He's going to be faithful. And I really believe that the Lord is going to send you guys that pastor, that gem of a pastor that's going to lead you into the next vision of this church. I don't believe in the death of this church. I don't. I'm seeing. I am seeing the next generation hold their place right now, no matter how small, no matter how big. I am seeing the community come in, non-Christians coming on in, because this church accepts all. Can I hear an Amen. Because in Christ, there is no male, no female, no Jew, nor Greek, no poor or rich. We are all one in Christ. Can I hear an amen? I can see the legacy. It's going to happen in this church. It's going to happen. Do you guys believe it? Oh, come on. Yes. Come on. Do you guys believe it? Yes. I don't believe it. Do you guys believe it? Come on. Just, if you guys believe it, just say amen, man. Come on. Let's do it. I, I believe it. I want to impart hope. Not hope in ourselves, not hope in the things that we feel that we need to have, hope in the Lord, because it is the Lord that sustains, it is the Lord that is faithful. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you, and you guys pray for that amazing pastor to come. Can I hear an amen? You know, uh, this church, this church, I don't know if you guys know, but you guys have an amazing history. You guys have an amazing history. This is, Dogam's a church is an amazing church that actually goes and ministers the gospel all over the world. Bible, church, Bible schools have been established in different countries because of this church. Not only that, we have seen so many different kinds of ministries and missions go out to the ends of the earth through this church. Do you guys know that? It's pretty amazing. And back in the day... It was actually one of the more thriving churches, you know, in downtown L.A. You guys remember when you guys used to be uh, near Chinatown? You guys remember that? Anybody, were, anybody there back in the day, right, when you were there? And it was a thriving church. There was a, a friend of mine that was actually a pastor here. His name was Pastor Charles O. Anybody remember Pastor Chuck, the, the funny guy, kind of chubby dude? <laughs> he's in, I think he's in the uh, Philippines now. He was doing a ministry on one of the weeknights, and he always asked me to come and preach because he wanted a, a, for us to come together. And what we did was we invited anyone and everyone who was hurt by the church, 
Anyone and everyone who was going through depression, anyone and everyone who hated the church or was hurt by the church or whatever, just, just invite them all because we're going to love, we're going to pray, and we're going to worship. How many of you guys ever remember that? Anyone? I mean, I'm dating myself. Maybe you guys were children or, or junior high back in the day, but we did that kind of ministry. This church was a church that was healing the community. Can I hear an Amen. I believe that the Lord is going to bring about a season when this church is not going to be just about warming these seats. It's not going to be just about coming in and singing a few simple songs. It's not going to be about just coming and listening to the message and just leaving without it really taking deep root in our hearts. I believe that this church is really going to be the church that God wants, and it's going to be a church that transforms our community and the world. Can I hear an amen? amen. I am imparting vision, church. If you're not saying amen, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's either you become the church or you just check out. It's not going to happen. If you, you want to check out, you're going to check out. The Lord can't use you. Can I hear an amen? I really believe it. So, with that history said and with a lot of things that are going on right now pastoral search or whatnot what i'm saying to you is be encouraged what i'm saying to you is don't think oh we have no future it's not up to you it's up to the lord and it's up to us getting on our knees and seeing god do miraculous and amazing things through this church can i hear an amen and that is the mark of the church that's when we know the church is alive is when the dying world out there is not only being healed, but they start worshiping God as we saw the text. Can I hear an amen? When people are worshiping God, people that never thought that they would worship God are running into these doors because they have felt the goodness of God. And I believe that this is going to be the church. This is going to be a center. Right here on Corporate Drive, it's going to be a center where many are going to be saved, where many are going to be healed. That is a mark of the church. I'm going to tell you, you guys are doing a series in Acts, right? You guys are, so Eliza and Young asked me, can you do a series and, you know, continue on in the series in Acts? You guys did chapters one and two, and then now we're on chapter three. Let me give you a context of what's going on. The Lord comes, he dies, and he resurrects. I'm sure you guys had a message about that, right? Right? And now he imparts this amazing gift, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, guys, this is just so important that we are living with the Holy Spirit, that we are being guided by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is downloading his love, his power, his strength over us. You know, some of us, it's so, like, it's so easy to be disconnected from the Holy Spirit. But you, you, you want me to just give you a quick encouragement in how you can be connected to the Holy Spirit? All right, just real quickly. If you're not connected to the Holy Spirit, pray. Say, Jesus, you have promised that if I believe in you, that you will give me the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an Amen. That's what the scripture says. That's not what I'm saying. You have given me the Holy Spirit. God, you live inside of me. Lord, please let me connect to you. Can I hear an amen? 
please, let me connect to you. So the Holy Spirit comes with the amazing thing. Amazing thing, guys, is this beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. When we live just in the flesh, when we're trying to do Christianity in the flesh, and the Holy Spirit is not upon us, I'm going to tell you, this church is just going to be like any other institution, any other human institution, because the Holy Spirit is not a part of us. But when you have the Holy Spirit, exciting things of the Holy Spirit will take place. We need the Holy Spirit. And as you saw in Acts chapter 2, you guys heard the message, Holy Spirit started falling on the people and they started speaking in tongues and we're seeing miraculous things happen in the church, right? And an organization or a group that didn't know how to love, an organization that didn't care about others started caring for others in the name of Jesus. They started sharing everything. Acts chapter 2.42. You guys remember that passage? Then you guys gave them, somebody gave a message on that, right? They started coming together. And in that community, people were being, you know, just loved on and cared for. And everyone's needs was met. That's what the scripture says. And people started really loving on one another. And they started really becoming the church that we ought to be. Guys, it's so, so important to love. This church needs to be centered around love. And so from this point on, the church is being strengthened. And now they're being sent out. They're being sent out. And we saw the passage today. They're going out. The apostles are going out. And they're doing just mind-blowing things. Uh, I wanted to ask, you know, I want to hear some testimonies about you guys doing some mind-blowing things. Because back in the day, this church was doing some mind-blowing things. There were the worst of sinners coming and being baptized at this church. There are people who were just deep into drugs, that were being freed from drugs. There were people who were deep into secular organizations and institutions and even the occult coming to Christ and worshiping God. I've been seeing amazing things happen through this church when I was young. I want to see that. That is the mark of the church. That is the power of the church. That is the distinctiveness of the church. How many of you guys know people who have mental illness? Anyone? How many of you guys know people who are really going through some really, really, really dark times. Can I hear an amen? How many of you guys know people who say that, you know what, the church, they don't care. They, you know, they don't care about me. They don't care about this world. How many of you guys have heard that? A lot of people don't want to go to the church. Why? I'll tell you why. Because there's no love. You know what they call the church? A bunch of hypocrites. They say one thing and they do the other. This is what people see as a church. Hey, I'm not trying to condemn. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's how the world sees us. But when you have the Holy Spirit, when you have love, everything starts to change as we see people here that have been so depressed. This person's been so depressed, been in front of the temple gates every day to beg, right? People just maybe throw them some change or whatnot. Never changed, but by Christians. By believers, the world is changing through Peter and John, through you, brothers.
brothers and sisters, you guys can change the world, not because you have power, but because you have the power of the Holy Spirit that is within you. Can I hear an amen? Hey, guys, I'm preaching my heart out. Come on, let's make a clap offering to the Lord. Come on. Preaching my heart out. Come on, guys. If you don't believe in this stuff, let's just get out of here because you know what? It's just we're playing church now. Let's not do it. Let's really seek the Lord and see amazing things happen over here. Giving up my time to share with you that God has this kind of plan for you. Don't cut yourself short. Don't cut the church short. God is in it. God is here. God's going to move. You just need to be faithful. You just need to connect with him. Just be faithful and just wait. Wait on the Lord. He's going to do some amazing things. You know, um, right now at our church... I'm going to give you a, a, a testament, a testimony of something that's amazing that's going on. And it, this is, uh, I, you guys, anybody remember when I came here last, uh, last time to preach? One of the biggest things that I am tackling with right now, more than drug abuse, where people are coming on in and they're now starting to slowly open up, is this thing called men mental illness. I remember last time I came here and I should, and the reason why I was sharing was because there were many in our church that was struggling through it, and I am not a professional, and it's very like, there's a, all kinds of legal protocols when somebody actually says something like, I'm gonna kill myself. It's crazy, like once they start opening up to you and they feel comfortable enough to you, pastors are like that number one person that's just like, whoa, dude, we got so much pressure. You guys have to pray for pastors. Like, could you imagine when somebody comes to you because you're like the only lifeline maybe perhaps, and they go, Pastor Sam, oh, I'm, I, don't, I haven't shared this with nobody, but I think I'm going to kill myself. Oh, my gosh. It's intense. It's intense. I had to walk with three people. Knowing at any given moment, if something goes wrong, if they don't take a medication, or if something triggers, right? And that could happen at any time, that these folks could have the potential. But you know what I realized? If you truly care for them, if you truly care for them, and you're really praying for them, I'm going to tell you right now. All three people that I've been journeying with, they're telling me that they're getting better. They're coming to every prayer group possible. They're saying, I never thought that this could take place where, Pastor Sam, I am having less and less and less suicidal thoughts. And it's because the church, not just me. It's because people are really surrounding them. It's people are loving on them. There's this lady who just recently came. Uh, we have a satellite church in Brea, North Orange County. When she came into the prayer meeting, right off the bat, she says, I have these tendencies. She's been journeying with us for now like four weeks. Same testimony. And now she is building a community of people instead of running away because she has this mental illness. They're running towards her with arms of love, power thing, powerful things can happen. Can I hear an amen? amen? Powerful things can happen through you. I want to hear testimonies, man, of this church. 
to surrender to the Lord. Listen to him. Be guided by him. Don't be afraid to engage in this thing called love. Don't be afraid. So, before, this is the craziest thing, before Luke is writing in here in Acts about the powerful things that can happen through the gospel, transformed lives, mental illness being healed, People who deny God, curse Christ, are coming and worshiping God. Can I hear an amen, right? Um, People who are drugged up, and I've seen this too in alcoholics, just be able to transform in those areas. I've seen it all. I've seen it all. The power of the gospel is real. And I would love for you guys to see it all. Can I hear an amen? But before that, before all of that, There is a small little thing here in Acts that we got to take a look at. It's super important. So this man was feeling rejected and dejected all his life. Could you imagine, right? Somebody who is poor, somebody who has a physical illness, somebody whom the people don't acknowledge. By the way, Peter and John is coming through right? And they are looking at them, at this person, this lame person, and says, hey, hey, this person is not even looking up. The eyes are not locking. Have you guys tried to help someone who is in really intense pain and you have the best of intention and you are going to them and they don't even want to look at you? Anyone? Anyone ex- experienced that before? By the, by the way, locking eyes right now. Locking eyes. Just looking at people right now. That's one of the things that I've come to realize. Like, yeah. Lo- hey, by the way, why don't you guys lock eyes? Can you guys lock eyes? Just, just as a thing of awkwardness. Just, just lock eyes with somebody. Just lock eyes. Just, just look at them. Super awkward, kind of. No. <laughs> right? This is something that we don't do. We talk... We talk, but we don't lock eyes. There's a reason for that, and I'm going to go into it. This person did not want to lock eyes. Why? Because he is full of shame. No one even wants to look at me, he says. Are you with me? Do you, know you know how many homeless friends that I have helped, as I'm going with all my heart to love on them, they can't look me in the eyes. Do you know how many times I said, hey, brother, hey, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. You know Why? People don't look at each other. You know why people don't lock eyes? You know, there's a big study. Psychologists were sharing, uh, man, I'm, I'm on fire right now. I'm not even using my notes right now, guys. Holy moly. The psychologists, right? Psychologists, uh, they did this uh, big old article on locking eyes. They said it's really in, in relationships, it's really difficult to talk to somebody, 
just looking at them, right? But it's necessary. It's necessary. And here's, here's what he says. It's necessary, number one, to truly bond. Wow. To truly bond. Just to really look at them. Truly bond. You know, uh, when I do something wrong, especially before my wife, you want me to tell you a little sin that I did? No? Come on, be a little, I'm willing to be vulnerable. Come on, like just, I just want to let you know your pastor here is not perfect. So I have a, a big problem with fishing. I love fishing. Anybody like fish, fishing? You would probably think, how could you be addicted to fishing? I'm addicted to fishing. I mean, I need to go to F.A., Fishing Anonymous. Like, is that bad? I have a bunch of reels. And there's a, a fisherman motto. You want me to tell you what the motto is? May your fishing reels outnumber her shoes. <laughs> I'm... I'm in the midst of it, man. I love hoarding, like, reels. I bought one secretly. She said, no more fishing. No more fishing stuff. Oh, man, this house is full of fishing stuff. And I'm like, your house is full of your shoes, too, man, and bags, whatever. Look about this be, this be real, right? But no more, no more. It's too much. Well, I secretly bought one. And then um, she told me, like, hey, I thought no more fishing reels. I was like, that's not a fishing reel. <laughs> I got caught. Caught, right? That's how they say it in New York. I got caught. And then she goes, Sam Coe? She, I hate it when she does that. Why, why do you like Sam Coe? Like, you know, just say honey or whatever. Just Sam Coe. Anybody do that? Like husband and wives? Like, you, you, you know, it's like I'm a little kid or something. Like, like I got caught with a you know, hand in my cookie jar. Anyway, she goes, um, hey, I thought we had this serious talk. And, you know, I'm kind of, I'm making things light, right? But it was pretty serious. While she's talking, talking to me, I'm not looking at her. <laughs> She's like, honey, look at me. Look at me. Oh, I'm just looking at her real quickly and whatnot. Because I'm full of shame, right? I'm full of shame. And she goes, hey, I, I don't want you to do that anymore. I don't, at least don't lie to me. If you're going to do it, let's just battle. Let's just fight. Let's just fight it out, right? Don't, don't keep any secrets. Just, let's just battle, right? But she said, look at me. And I just couldn't look at her. And on top of that, she goes, you know Hey, I think you just need to apologize. And I'm like, getting a great, you know, opportunity to apologize. And I said, okay, all right, sweetie, sorry. And she goes, can you look at me and say sorry? You know what else does? You know what? Um, you know what else looking at each other does? I'll tell you what it does. Eyes don't lie. It shows you that you are that important that I don't want a superficial relationship with you I want to look at you and as you look into my eyes you can see my soul and I want to see yours oh my gosh this is the kind of relational depth that I don't think we want to go into especially as a Christian church I feel like oftentimes. We do things and we're not looking at people. One of the other things that the psychologist says is when you lock eyes with somebody, it really shows that you care. It really shows that you are concerned about the person. 
Because it's so awkward to just lock eyes, right? But when we lock eyes, it's like, I am seeing you. Are you with me? I'm really seeing you. I'm seeing you. This is the biggest point that this person is making, this psychologist is making, is that locking eyes says that you matter, that I care, that I have a certain amount of love for you where I would go as far as do this awkward thing, act of looking into your eyes. And that's exactly what's going on in the text. Before the amazing miracles that are taking place, Peter John stops and says, all these miracles, it's nothing unless I what? Love. Unless I care. No matter how big you guys make this church, if you're not looking at each other, if you're not doing what we just said, forgive each other's sins, you know, really embrace them, looking at each other, make sure that that person matters, making sure that we care for the person, making sure that we really embrace No matter what you do in this church, no matter how much of a mountain or an empire that you create for God without love, the scripture says, it is what? Nothing. It's powerless. It's just a mountain of stuff that you've created. And there's no depth of relationship. There is no love. Do you know why this person powerfully transforms and receives all these things? It's because first and foremost, this person received love. Care. Genuine care. That's how it works, folks. Without love, without locking eyes, you guys can come and you can do all your pastoral search, all the discussions about how we're going to take it to the next level, all the things that you want to say and do, but without love, you might create this empire, a huge church, but without love, you're going to be dead inside. I've seen that, man. I've seen pastors at the apex, wheeling and dealing, all this big church. No one loves him. <laughs> so disconnected to the church, like community, because no one knows him. He's never, lo- he's never locked eyes. Never locked eyes. No one knows him. And no, no one feels that they know him, that, that, that pastor knows them. How crazy is that? A person that really doesn't know their pastor. The only person that, you know, that they, all they know is that his messages. Or how about just, that's just a pastor, but how about just members? We come here week in and week out, right? And we never lock eyes. We don't really know them. Not, we were never vulnerable. We never got deep. We never shared that we cared. You know what the Lord says? He says, a new command I give to you. To what? Love one another. They will know that you are my disciples. What? By your love. Oh, my gosh. All this, all this stuff, you can discipleship, you can, do, you can do growth, you can whatever. It starts with love. 
power starts with love. Let me show you. Something. I'm going I'm to finish with the story. I've got a juicy one for you. Anybody like juicy stories? So we had this thing called Project Revival about a month and some change ago. It was led by a guy, his name is David Park, who is now one of the associate pastors. He used to go to a church and, uh, in, in L.A. I'm not going to mention because I'm not judging churches here because all churches are different. Can I hear a name? I'm just, I'm just telling a story. Okay. So uh, he wanted to do something in that church, and the pastoral staff and the leadership thought it was too much of a risk because he had mental illness. He's on medication. Uh, he did a lot of things where uh, one time he was so drugged up, he took his car and rammed it into a shoe shop. I mean, he was really, really off. He went to jail to the point where he, got, he went into jail. He got restored by the Lord, came on out on fire, and he wanted to serve the Lord. He went to Biola. He's still going to Biola now, almost finishing up his Bible degree, and he wanted to do something for God officially. Hey, can you, I mean, I'm going to Biola. Can you help me to do something at this church? I want to minister. I want to make impact with you. And with careful consideration, they said no. Okay, hey, I get it. Sometimes some churches, I guess there's a bigger risk, in, you know, risk factor. Are you guys with me, right? No judgment, man. No judgment. So you know what I said? I said, you know what, David, I heard your testimony. Come. I'm your huckleberry, baby. <laughs> Come with this crazy pastor. I'm going to take a risk on you. I'm going to take that risk. Let's go. So he comes on in. He does this crazy revival. He packs out our sanctuary. 200 people is packed out in the sanctuary. Almost half are drug addicts, gang members, homeless people, everyone that needed Christ desperately. He brought them all in. And the other half was, was just totally vibrant, born-again Christians that were there praying for these people and people who were sharing the gospel to the lost. It's amazing. Hey, guess what, church? You didn't take a risk. I'll take a risk. David Park, look what he's doing for the Lord. Look at the Lord, what God is doing. Can I hear an amen? Come on. Can I hear an amen? That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. He goes in. He starts ministering to all these K-Town gangsters. And some of them are coming to Christ. One of them came to that, that uh, revival. At the end, Pastor David goes, hey, Pastor Sam, some of these guys, they, they want to get baptized today. I said, bring them on over. Some people say, oh, no, no, Pastor, you can't do that. They have to go through a membership course. They have to go through this course, that course. Hey, I don't see that in the Bible. So I quickly confirmed their faith. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord? Do you believe in the Trinity? Do you believe that it is only by Jesus Christ that you are saved? Every little doctrine of faith, he said, yes. I said, okay, I'm going to baptize you. And it was one of the ex-gang members that he used to be involved with in K-Town. He comes on over. Before I go on ahead and baptize, we lock eyes. was intense, man. It was intense. 
He looked at me, and I was like super overwhelmed. Eyes don't lie. His eyes was full of gratitude. His eyes were full of, thank you, Jesus, that you would save a sinner like me. I was blessed. And then when he sees my eyes, he's seeing my heart. He's seeing my soul. And my soul is telling him, you are embraced. You are loved. You will never, ever be forsaken because God loves you. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what you did in the past. You're here right now. You're here right now. And God's going to do something amazing in your life. He took that. After the baptism, he had the biggest smile on my face. We, took, we went outside, and there was all these also reformed uh, you know, K-Town gangsters that are now coming to our church. They all surrounded him, loved on him, and we took pictures and all that, and he started coming out to North Orange County, the church that, that I've got to go right after this, the satellite that we just, we just planted. And then from there, the Lord is calling me, just walk with him. Just walk with him. Just disciple him. Every day, I gave him a call. Every day, I attempted to try to meet him. Every day, I poured into him. The first week, without me telling him anything, you know what he does? He starts cutting off any relationship that's going to hinder him from his walk with Jesus. I didn't even tell him to do it. Ex-gang members... Negative uh, girl relationships. Anyone who has, has anything to do with drugs. Just boom, 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 cutting it off. And I was like, even to myself, I was like, God, I need to do some of this in my life. Can I hear an amen? I was being convicted. The second week over, I start seeing him really get into the word. He's reading the word every day. He's worshiping every day. Super consistent in our prayer meetings. And this man is transforming. The third week, he comes on over. He goes, after the worship service, he goes, Pastor Sam, that was an amazing worship service, but I got to go handle something. And I'm like, okay, handle something? I don't even know what that means, right? Like, handle what? <laughs> you know, I'm like, handle what? He's like, I got to go handle something. Okay, okay. The next day, he calls back. Pastor Sam, I handled it. I was like, well, what did you handle? <laughs> what did you handle? I just uh, started the process of shutting down my business partnership in the mineral industry. He's given up his finances even because of his association with gang ties. He's like, I'm not going to have any of that. So last Sunday, he goes, peace, Sam. There's one more thing. There's one more thing that I got I to handle. I said, what's that? He says, I got to get jumped out. And I was like, what, what's anybody know what that is, being jumped out? In gang life, you get jumped in. And then when you want to leave, you got to get jumped out. My heart sank so deep. Like, it, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, this guy's serving the Lord. He's loving the Lord. He's being transformed, and yet he still has to be jumped out. So I, tell, I asked one of the guys over there, hey, what does that look like? He's like, oh, Pastor Sam. This guy named Jason Schoen told me this. He goes, oh, Pastor Sam, it's bad. It's bad. And I'm like, okay, tell me how bad it is. Like, well, most of the time you go to the hospital, and there are people who actually have been beaten up where they either almost died or died. Very rare percentage that people died, but they, that, that's what happens. When I heard that, 
I just said, there's no way. There's no way I can let this happen. So in my prayer, in my thought, you know what I told Eddie? I said, Eddie, go on ahead. Or that's the guy. Eddie, go on ahead and tell your gangster friends that I want to meet them. He looks at me. He goes, you would do that for me? I was like, yeah, I would do that for you. And he goes, Pastor Sam, they have guns. I'm like, it's all good. I got the Bible. Let's go. What are they going to do, man? I don't have any guns. Let's go, right? So he goes in. He asks those gangster friends, and they say, he comes back, Pastor Sam, guess what? I was like, what? They're going to meet me? They're like, no, they don't want to meet you. <laughs> they don't want to meet you. I'm like, why not? I mean, I don't know. I'm not a threat. Look at me. Like, hey, do I look like a threat to you, right? Do I look like And then I was like, oh, okay, dude, I, I need to go back. Tell them that I will buy them dinner. Now, this is the second time that I'm requesting. Go, come to this restaurant, go, and, and I'll tell, I will buy them dinner. I'll do whatever it takes to bring about a compromise. I'm going at all lengths here, church. Are you with me, right? To go upon a compromise. Hey, I'll even buy you dinner. I'll sit at the table and tell you how much Jesus loves you and how much Eddie has changed, how much he has transformed. They come back. Eddie tells me, Pastor Sam, no can do. They don't want to meet you. So last Wednesday rolls along, and on Tuesday they, he says, Sam, tomorrow's the day. I'm going to get jumped out. I'm just letting you know, just whatever happens, I'm going to just tell you no, let you know. You know what he said? You're the realist. You know, there's no, there's no money, nor like, like any kind of like thing that you can give me in, in all my years of ministry that can compare to those words. He freaking said, you're the realist. I said, thank you. And then that Wednesday night when he went, he went out with two other guys that are at our church that has been so transformed. These guys are gangsters that also have been transformed totally by the Lord. These three never miss prayer meeting. But they were gone that, that Wednesday, going, and I was like, hey, uh, why are you guys going with, just let go, let, you know, Eddie go. One of the guys that came with me, he's now one of, he's, he's a reformed gangster, he was doing all kinds of stuff, he's now one of the children's pastors at North Orange County. That's what God is doing right now, and I was like, hey, you, Jason, you can't go over there, you can't retaliate, you can't swing, you're a children's pastor. He's like, Pastor Seb, I'm not going there to retaliate, I'm going there to cover him. You know what that means? If Eddie gets beat up so much, I'm going to go and cover him and get beat up for him. That's Christianity. So on that Wednesday, on that Wednesday, when they were gone and we had a prayer meeting at 6 o'clock, I told all the church, let's cry out. Let's cry out. And so we're crying out. We're crying out for this brother. Lord, and I was praying prayers like this. Lord, when the guys see him and they strike and they kick, let them miss. Supernaturally, let them miss. Lord, put a Holy Spirit blanket covering over them. Have you prayed a prayer like that? It's super powerful. And I know that God is going to do something because at one point, I just stopped praying. I started listening to the prayers of others. And we're doing the Korean style. Not everybody's Korean there. We have Hispanics, we have, um, you got Caucasian, we got all kinds of people, they're praying out loud. You guys know Tong Tong Gido, the Korean style where everybody just pray, prays out loud? We're doing that as a second generation, and there's just all the spirit, Holy Spirit movement, and I knew something was going to happen. That night, I go home. 9.30. I get a text. 
get a text from Eddie. He goes, PCM. Guess what? I said, what? It's a no-show. It's a no-show. Meaning, they weren't there. He's free. It's done. It's done. I asked the guys that, that are familiar with game. I was like, what does that mean? That means he showed up and they didn't. He fulfilled his obligation. It's done. Come on. Come on, church. This is one of many, guys. This is one of many. This is one of many of what God can do through the church, through you. It all starts with love. Miracles start with love. Do you know how powerful love is? Do you know how powerful the love of God is? Before the power of the miracle, let us experience the power of God's love. Father, thank you. Help us to love. Help us to know your love. Help us to know that uh, you don't just do miracles for the sake of doing miracles, just for the sake of healing us, but you do these miracles because of your love, your love for humanity, your love for our brokenness. Lord, you are showing us every day that all these things that we are experiencing in Christianity, in Christ, is because of your love. Because it says in Scripture very clearly that God is love. You are the definition of love. You are the movement of love. You are the act of love. God, you are love. I pray, Lord, for Togamza Home Mission Church, English ministry, this community of believers of all races, all generation, every tribe and tongue would come on in and that they would first begin with love. That they would love one another in their leadership. That they would love one another in their small groups. That they would love one another in their fellowship. And that as they bond and they are united in love as Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one, may we also be one in love. That through this love, that you would do amazing, mind-blowing, just amazing, powerful things through this church. So Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a cop offering, church? <laughs>